I want to start out this podcast. This is in our uh, Phase 00 series. It has to do with you know some autobiographical experiences that have happened. And today's podcast is going to be on the uh, Antichrist. And I wanted to just give some overarching understanding, biblical precedent, before I tell some of my story uh, related to the Antichrist and uh, see if we can lay out a biblical precedent. Um, one of the things is, and, and we'll just look at, for instance, we'll just jump right into Daniel chapter 7 and verse 8. It says, I was considering the horns and there was another horn. It, it was a little one coming up among them before whom three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. Uh, what is being emphasized by here about Dan, what Daniel is saying about this little one who comes up, this little horn, is uh, that, that the Antichrist will rise out of a very humble uh, condition or have a humble beginning. In our Western concept, you know, small beginnings are not very uncommon. You know, this is something I think a lot of us actually, some of us like to see that. We, we like to see someone come up out of obscurity and nothingness, and it's a sort of like the American dream kind of understanding, and they become something more than they could have ever been. Um, and, and when we're looking at how the Antichrist is going to rise to power, you know, he may not, he probably more than likely is not going to come up out of, um, he graduated from Ivy League school somewhere in the world, and uh, had all of, uh, this amazing family that he comes from, he's going to come from something that looks very humble. And uh, this is going to be very attractive uh, to people because a lot of us can relate with humility. Uh, I mean, beginnings that weren't so uh, profound and um, very wealthy and things like that. We Most of us, the majority of the world, comes from a place of that humility. There's a good example of like Adolf Hitler, uh, who started out in a life of poverty and didn't have really any true significance. And then goes in, he's a private in the army, he fight, uh, fights in World War One, and he actually fails as an artist And um, because he, he's not really good at his watercolor paintings that he's doing. And he gets into the Nazi party in the early 1900s, in 1919. And so, but look what that man did. And so you see someone that looks like uh, that has a spirit of Antichrist on him that rises up and uh, takes the world by storm, ends up killing, you know, six million uh, Jews and and other people. Uh, Also, the Antichrist is going to be a master political person. Um, It says in uh, Daniel 9, 27, he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offerings. And so the Antichrist is going to come in and, and build a, a, a coalition of nations as a world leader. And this should alert the church because he's going to be have like a charisma, leadership, intelligence, be very cunning, and like the world has never seen. Um, he's going to end up making a treaty with Israel because of his power. And so the Antichrist government will have originally will be after protecting Israel's national peace and prosperity. Um, and so th- I think that you're already here if you're a believer and you're listening to this. You can already see that 
many believers may be set up to be wooed in by somebody like this because humble beginnings, someone that's going to protect Israel's peace and prosperity, is going to sign a covenant with them, and has you know this charisma, leadership, intelligence is very cunning um, in in their ability to um, work with people, and they'll probably be very philosophically correct psychologically correct they're they're going to be able to be someone that when you listen to them you're going to be like huh that makes a lot of sense i wish somebody could have told me that when i first was uh coming up through uh, my household and so the antichrist is going to move in as a conqueror and a destroyer uh he he's going to use in his power uh diplomacy so that people will admire him and love him uh, and so his his true nature is going to come out on the surface when the nations are under under his rule. It says in Daniel seven seven, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth and it was devouring, breaking in pieces and trampling the residue with its feet. It's it won't be enough for him to conquer through his diplomatic aims, but he's going to destroy any nation or group that stands against him. And so he'll have world command of armies and finances, tech, science, uh, religion, and he'll use them to decimate his enemies. Daniel 7, 21, the same horn makes war against the saints and prevails against them. In Revelation 13, 7, it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe and nation. In Matthew 24, 9, it says they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Also another aspect of the Antichrist will be that uh, he is lawless. He'll speak pompous words against the Most High. He'll persecute the saints of the Most High and he'll even attend to change the times and the law. And in, in Daniel 7.25 here, then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and half of a time. Um, he's not going to honor law. He's not going to honor customs of nations that he overtakes. He'll operate without restrictions and restraint. He won't be hindered by our like uh, checks and balances that we normally already have. Uh, nations will no longer have their sovereign right to govern themselves because he will take over those governments. And so he's going to change his times and seasons to fit his own agenda and change the holidays and festivals and replace those with what brings honor to himself. He's also known as a deceiver. Uh, in Matthew 24, 4 through 6, Jesus answered said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And the deception is the theme that we're to be concerned with, especially in the end times. And he will be able to work through deceiving more than anybody has ever been able to deceive in the history of mankind. Um, it, it will be hard for even the elect to not be deceived. Many of the things he does as well as his policies will seem very good and very useful. Um, for example, who of us do not want peace? And we have to realize that only true peace, though, comes under the rulership of the man Jesus Christ. He also will be known as a heretic. And um, it, it says in Daniel 7, 8 through 11, I was considering the horns, this other little horn, the little one, and there was a horn whose eyes were the eyes of man and a mouth speaking pompous words. 
I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain, its body destroyed, and given into the burning flame. In Revelation 13, 1, it says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns, and his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. The most evident sign that will completely expose the Antichrist will be a blasphemous mouth. Satan was the first blasphemer, and humans have been perfecting it ever since, and the Antichrist will take it to its climax. He will walk into the temple in Jerusalem, declare himself as God, and demand to be worshipped by everybody on the earth. Now, um, just getting through that framework, and, and I'll just recapture these. Humble beginnings, master politician, a conqueror and destroy, lawless, a deceiver, and a heretic. And so with that in mind, I want to share with you a story about uh, what happened with me. This was shortly after Kara and I had moved to Saluda. And in our little home that we were living in, we had our bedroom upstairs. And I had went upstairs to, let's see, in that evening. And um, Elizabeth, our oldest daughter, she had just been born. So this was in May of 2004. And and I and I had an open vision. Now, for some of you, I may need to describe what an open vision and closed vision is. A closed vision is when you have a vision while you're awake, so this wouldn't be a dream, but it it would be like you see something in your mind's eye, but you can still see everything else around you. Um, and so you may have like an experience where you have this vision while you're still looking at everything around you. I have to differentiate that with you between a closed vision, that would be a closed vision, and an open vision. I'm sorry, a closed vision is when you can see everything around you, but you are you still have something in your mind's eye. But with an open vision, your eyes are wide open, and everything, almost like somebody laid something on your eyeballs, or you were like in almost like an IMAX environment where the whole screen is right in front of your face, everything changes. And uh, for me personally, I've never had an open vision until May 2004. And just so you know, I haven't had one since then. And now we're into 2019, so it's been 15 years. I've never had an open vision since then. And I, uh, all of a sudden, and, it, and it's in the evening too, so it's dark in the room. And my eyes completely go into an open vision. And in the open vision, I see... Uh, a torso of a lady um, and it's like there's light in the vision meaning that even though there's darkness all around me when my eyes are still open I'm now in a fully illuminated environment with my eyes and I see the torso of a lady and um, and the lady has in her hands this little baby dragon wrapped in white cloth all around it sort of like a a blanket of some sort and she's holding this baby dragon and the dragon has his a uh, it's kind of like a a rust color um, reddish rust color look it has his ears pinned back and it's got probably a lot like you would see like it has a little body like a little round body and then it goes into like a little gooseneck and then the head is looking right at me and the ears are back and looks just like maybe what you would see like 
I think in the Hobbit series, there's a big dragon that came out later. It kind of looks like that dragon um, that was holding all that money, if you ever watched the Hobbit. But it looks like a dragon. And he was looking at me, and I tell you, I've never seen... Now, when you listen to Takuna Lam, or, you know, my podcast called Takuna Lam, and I have this experience with the Holy Spirit... Love is just radiating out of the Holy Spirit. But I've never looked in the eyes of something so evil as the eyes that I was looking into when I looked at this dragon. Every single sin I think that you could imagine was transmitting out of that little baby dragon at one time. Like every kind of idolatry, every kind of adultery, every kind of anything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God was looking through those eyes at me. And then all of a sudden, I'm back in my, I mean, I'm in my room, everything is dark, and I'm, I'm like, wow, what was that? And um, I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, what is that? And he said, the Antichrist has been born. Well, I thought, again, this is subjective. So I said, uh, I'm going to call a few people that have some trust in their prayer life. I'm not going to tell them what the Holy Spirit, I believe, said to me. I'm going to ask them to pray. And so I, I called a couple intercessors that I thought I could trust that they hear from the Lord. And I said, would you just pray about this vision that I had and get back with me if you hear the Lord say anything to you? And both of them called me back and told me, the Lord told me the Antichrist has been born. So this is May 2004. Well, I, I've got to say this. I still am like holding this into... Even with those two intercessors and myself and not saying anything to them, I'm still hold that into the realm of the subjective. So, because, you know, that could still be leading. You see a little baby dragon and, you know, you could kind of come up with that. And so I thought, well, uh, that's, I don't know if that's really what the Lord's trying to reveal to me. So I, uh, Kara and I had heard of uh, Howard Pittman. And I don't know how many of you have listened to him and what happened to him, but I, I want to recommend in this podcast that you take time, if you have not heard of Howard Pittman, and you go and either buy his book called Placebo, or you go on YouTube and you listen to Howard Pittman's experience, because it is, I would say, one of the greatest probably markers for me in my life that literally shook me up. And got me down on my knees to just say, Lord, I give you my whole self was Howard Pittman's testimony. And in in short, he was taken, he passes away through, I think, a massive hemorrhage and goes up into the heavens. And basically the Lord speaks to him and tells him his works are an abomination because they were not done by faith. And sends him back to the earth with a five point message. And you got to understand this. Howard Pittman was taking care of orphans, running for a, running for sheriff, uh, pastoring a church. He was actually doing all the things that we would say a godly man would do. And when the father's estimation of him was that you're not doing this out of a relationship with me. You're doing what you think you should do. And shook Pittman severely, so much so that... Uh, the Lord gave him his life back and gives him this five points that he's to come back to the earth with and share with everybody. And it is compelling to listen to. Well, I had just heard this message from Pittman. And guess what? 
Howard Pittman, we find out, is going to be at uh, a church here in Asheville, which was um, Ronnie Pittman's church. He's being invited in to come speak. So Kara and I was like, well, we're going to go over to that church and listen to Howard Pittman if he's going to be this close. So we go to listen to Howard Pittman. Like I think this is within a week. And uh, Pittman is a godly man. He's uh, he's just he's, he's an amazing older man and he's he gets up there and he walks in humility and he starts to tell this story about a conference he was doing for spiritual warfare and you probably could actually look this up and listen to it and if i can find it i'll give you a link on these links so that you can look into our notes sections in this antichrist episode and you can go and listen to this howard pittman for yourself but Pittman gets up there here at the local church in, in Asheville, Ronnie Pittman's church, and we don't know what to expect, and so we sit down to hear him out. And this is what he begins to tell us, that he was in a spiritual warfare conference, and he's hosting a conference, and he said that while in the conference, the power on the entire building goes out so that they're not able to... Uh, broadcast through the speakers and everything and um and he believes it's the enemy attacking the conference and so he starts like speaking against speaking against the enemy trying to shut down what he's doing for the lord and he said that that what what ends up happening is he hears this sound come through the speaker system which has no power on it a sound comes through the speakers and it's and he's like i rebuke you enemy for coming against our meeting he said i believe he says that the power comes back on and he's like man what is going on and they're trying to run this conference and i think it happens again now i'm telling this story from 15 years ago so it may not be perfect the way i'm saying it but so Pittman's, you know leaves the meeting and he's like doesn't think a lot about what happened uh, but then one day he's at home, and I think if I remember right, he's uh, I think his phone rings, and he picks up the receiver, and when he puts it to his ear, he hears, and he's like, what is this? And so he starts to ask the Holy Spirit, you know, maybe you're trying to get my attention. Well, then he goes to... Uh, boot up his computer and through the speaker system of his his computer comes and and he's like what is this about and so as he's really getting serious now maybe the Lord is trying to speak to him and and he's really gets this burden that he needs to ask the Lord you know what are you doing here what are you trying to show me and so I, I think that if I remember a story correct, he's just like seeking the Lord and asking the Holy Spirit, you know, what are you trying to, to show me? And and so he realizes this is the uh, the William Tell overture to the Long Ranger, right? And many of you probably heard the William Tell, Tell overture, and and you've heard you, maybe many of you watched the Long Ranger when you were growing up. And the Holy Spirit speaks to him, and he says. Who is this? What is this song about that you remember? And he says, it's the Long Ranger. And the Holy Spirit says to him, and what does he come uh, riding in on? And he says, a white horse. 
And I kid you not, I'm, I'm sitting in this meeting, and he's telling this story, and he looks at all of us. And this is a week or so after I'd had this experience with the Lord, seeing this open vision. And he says, I want to tell all of you this, and I know this for sure, the Antichrist is here. And he's been uh, born. And and I'm just sitting there with Karen. I look over at her, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I was like, this is really, really happening and here is for me at this point i'm like this is some objective proof uh objective proof for me because i'm like here's a completely different man of god who i have confidence in his ministry who is saying literally the same thing that was said to me a week or so before that in my open vision and clearly the lord is alerting us um you know surely god does nothing unless he reveals it first to his servants the prophets and the Lord was revealing, uh, I believe, the birth of the Antichrist. And because now I have objective, I believe, to be objective proof from a completely different set of scenarios from, again, a man who might trust his ministry and who he is. And so, Kara and I, I said, we got to go talk to him. And I'm not a real forward person with people. But I was like, I have got to go talk to Howard Pittman right now. So I went to him and I told him what had happened to us. And he said, I assure you of a truth. I know this from the Holy Spirit. The Antichrist is here. And he said, uh, this is, you know, at least uh, we know now. And, it, and I, I guess it brought confirmation to him also because of this experience that we had, uh, you know, come into. So I think that... Um, with that in mind, I, uh, as, as the years have went on since then, which possibly would put his age, I suppose, at around 15 years of age now, and knowing that he's most likely going to rise to power as an anti-Christ figure, he may rise to power by the age of 30. And, you know, I'm speculating, of course, but that may, that may mean that we're sitting at a 15 to 18-year target time when we may uh, see him come on the scene. And, of course, that's speculation, but I'm just thinking that he may mirror exactly the way the Lord, when the Lord came out, uh, that we may be looking about 15 years out into the future. I, uh, I believe this with all my heart. I believe that in the end of the age that there's going to be two orders that are on the earth that are going to go head to head. I believe the New World Order, with all its tech and uh, transhumanism and and all these different devices trying to upgrade man into a super being, is is going to be ready to readily accept this 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 figure who's going to rise to world dominance and world power. But at the same time, there's going to be those of us who are given over to the heart of the Father and the spirit of Elijah. And we're going to be standing in the end times. And I believe you're going to see this, really, this head-to-head action happen with the church and the Antichrist system. And I, I, just, I just call it the New World Order versus the Melchizedek Order. NWO versus the, N, uh, you know, the MZO. And you're going to see these two head-to-head. And one of them is completely built by internal infrastructure of, of the life of Jesus in us that has the heart of the Father that doesn't love their lives to the death, who is given over to the blood, who are people who are completely immersed in loving Jesus 
and that, that have been spending long periods of, of their lives up to this point being made ready, a bride adorned without spot or wrinkle, and then a whole entire world system that is completely given over to themselves, their own transformation based in technology. Uh, you're going to see that system get darker and darker while the church grows and gets brighter and brighter in the, uh, the glory of the Lord living on the inside. And I, and I want you to hear this, you know, and take it serious that you, you and I get oil now. That you don't, 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 please don't take this, your life right now and just exhaust it on the things of the world. Begin like what Howard, listen to Howard Pittman and ask the Holy, Holy Spirit, am I giving myself to you, Lord, every day? Am I, am I heeding you and walking with you by faith? Or am I just sort of unplugged from the Lord and doing my own thing every day? living in this idea that uh, which is called normalcy bias that I can just live a normal life people like this make me afraid in the church and I'm just going to stay away from all that and keep doing my thing every day I'm just going to work every day and that's fine but uh, and we're our family's not pursuing the Lord and we're just kind of uh, you know, eating off the tree of knowledge of good and evil every day, but we're not listening to Holy Spirit, how he's leading us, and we're walking by faith. This thing's going to come on us so fast, and we need to be ready. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with the uh, the ten virgins. Uh, they, all were, they all were virgins to start out with, but only five of them had oil, and the other five did not. I want to encourage you to get and buy oil. Get oil now. Get the oil of the Holy Spirit. Be pursuing uh, the life of the Lord. Asking Him every day to lead you and direct your life. Don't give yourself over to this world system because, you know, it's 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 what Esau did. He he prized he prized getting his belly full more than he did the birthright that God he could have walked in, and he gave up his birthright to Jacob, and because he put more emphasis on his own provision, his own needs, his own um, type of lifestyle, more than he did what the Lord uh, would have imparted to him. And, you know, you read in the text and it says, um, Esau have I hated and Jacob have I loved. Take that serious. The Lord, just like with Howard Pittman, and, and Howard Pittman was doing all the right kind of things. You know, we think, well, he had 35 orphans. He's running for a public a position to help with the police force. He's pastoring a local church. He's doing everything that we think a godly man and his wife would do. And the Lord said, your works are an abomination to me. Take that serious. Take your life serious before the Lord right now. I can't say that enough because that, that spirit of deception has gone out into the world. And there are many Antichrist figures right now, but there's, it's going to epitomize itself in a powerful uh, world leader. And uh, I just want you to be ready. I want you to hear this with uh, frankness and sincerity. And, and more than me wanting you to be ready, I believe the Lord would be wooing you, challenging us to live in light of eternity and not in light of just everything temporal uh, right now. Well, let's just uh, let's close in prayer. And I want to pray for you. Uh, Lord, give us a singular devotion to you, a, a uh, on-point uh, dynamic uh, willingness to go 
unconventional in our following of who you are. Lord, help us to just say yes to you. Lord, help us to question anything right now in our life that is not completely given over to you. Help us to to say to you today, you know, Lord, I just, I want my life today, uh, whether it's I'm giving my heart to you as Lord, uh, realizing that soon you're going to be on the earth, every knee's going to bow, every tongue's confess that you're the Lord. I just want to make you Lord now. And uh, for some of for some of us, Lord, that that would just see you as a Savior merely, but not make you Lord. Lord, I, I pray that we wouldn't be going around saying that you're Lord, but not doing what you say, like it says in Matthew seven, Lord. We don't want to hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Lord, help us to get our singular devotion to you and our our singular courage on you and giving over to you. And uh, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for everyone that is listening right now, that they would just come to a place of peace. We pray that all anxiety and fear and and offense will be just washed out of our hearts so we could be completely given over to you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.
beautiful.